Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. together. Thank you. I'm excited to deliver this Word to you. Jesus said to be doers of the Word and not just hearers. And it's an absolute privilege to communicate to your hearts. I always pray that God will speak through from His heart through my heart to your heart. And it's an honour. Will you give me permission to speak to your heart and encourage you today? Whether you're here for the first time or you've been coming for many years, I believe you are here because God meant you to be here at this 10.30 service today. So get ready for God to speak to you. You can take your seats, say someone on the, as you sit down. Are you ready? God's gonna speak to you today. Are you ready for God to change you? Pastor John has asked me to start a new series called Go. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be uh, talking and inspiring and challenging us to go and to share our faith. And I think there's no better time than right now to do this. And the scripture that we're gonna use is actually the Great Commission, where Jesus told his disciples the last words Jesus spoke. And it says, in, it's actually in all the gospels, but in Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel or the good news to everyone and anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Preach is not just for the preachers on the platform. To preach is to declare good news. We can do that in our world in one-on-one conversations. Billy Graham, who's the well-known evangelist, as you all, I'm sure a lot of you will, have, will know his name. Now, the gospel of Christ has no meaning unless it is applied to our fellow man who hurts and is in need. It's a challenge. How many of us are good at this? Who's who's good? Who would say they're a great evangelist? Who's who's good at sharing their faith? Who's got this down pat? Okay, there's about three people that, and I salute you and honor you. You've got the confidence and the faith. For the rest of us, some of us find it a bit of a challenge. We have to step out of our comfort zone, relax confidence a bit to know how to approach the subject in, in the busyness of life. Would you be with me? We need some help on this. Who needs some help on this? So I want to, with God's help, change our perspective and look to the Bible and see what Jesus did about this. I love this incredible story from John chapter four, and the outcome of this conversation actually changes an entire city. He wants the city of Norwich to be changed for the glory of God. So if you can turn with me to John chapter four, we're gonna read together, actually we'll stand together. Let's stand as we have been doing to honor God's word. As we read it, it'll be on the screen. You can use your Bibles or your phones. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. In the one translation, it says he needed to go through. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman 
came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food and the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So Jesus, so she said to Jesus, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you only knew, if your neighbor only knew, if your family member only knew, if your friends that you love only knew, if our city only knew, the gift God has for them. It actually says in Romans 10, 14, how will they know unless we tell them? Are you ready to have your heart stirred? The title of this message is, If They Only Knew. Now, this has got to start from our hearts because otherwise it's just another thing we feel like we have to do. So I want to speak to our hearts. So can you put your hand on your heart? And let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray that your words would be living and powerful. I thank you, Lord, that it would speak to each one of our hearts, divided up hundreds of ways to what we personally need. I thank you for Heart for the House last weekend. I thank you that we cut ground. I thank you for the thousands that are going to come to know you in the years ahead. I thank you for the many that already have. And Lord, right now, I pray that you'd give us a heart for others. We recognize that this starts with us to speak to our hearts today. And Lord Jesus, you summed up the whole of the Bible with two things you said for us, to love you, to love people. Draw us closer to you and a greater heart for people right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can take your seats, wonderful people. God is going to speak to you today. In 2005, I was living in Australia at the time, and I was doing my shopping in Coles, the supermarket. And I was coming to the checkout, and there were a whole queue of people, and the lady that was, and I, I thought I'd chosen the quickest aisle, but she was obviously flustered. The guy that was, she was serving was getting very irate and annoyed at her and turning to the people in the back of the queue saying, seriously, is this the best they've got to employ here? Right, being really angry about it, I felt for her. And I walked up as my turn came, I looked her in the eye and I said, really sorry, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't great. I feel for you, you, you look like you're, you're tired. Has it been a big day? And actually bought a, a Kit Kat because you know the sweets are often there when you pay and, and it came through and I said, have that on your, on your coffee break. And I, and I said, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for you, is everything all right? Just as I was going, she said, yeah, my mum's in hospital. Um, I've got three kids at home. I've been trying to visit her every night and work. Um, and, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm going to pray for you. See ya. And, and went. 
The very next day I was out for a walk and pray, as I often do. I was walking just through the houses of the neighborhood and I went a different route this particular day and I looked and saw this lady loading her three kids into her car. And I realized it was the lady from Coles the night before. And I'm like, how is this? I recognize it wasn't a coincidence. I recognize it was a divine encounter. Sometimes God just sets these things up. And I went up to her, I introduced myself properly this time. I said, my name is Rachel. I said, I'm going to work too. I, she was going to work after she dropped her kids. Her name was Jeanette. I invited her this time to sisterhood, to our, to our church. She came on that Thursday, absolutely loved it brought her three children on a Sunday. They went to the kids program, one of them in youth, and she made a decision for Jesus. And she kept coming. And her children, and in that season, I remember I was very pregnant with Mercy at the time, and we moved back to England, and we were helping with the church here in that two-year period, and God called us. Our work wasn't done. We went back to Australia, and I was in church in, in Sydney at Hillsong Church, and I remember looking for this lady. Where'd she gone? Jeanette. And, and I asked some of the, the follow-up team, I said, where is she? Have you? And they said, we've been trying to call the number on the database. Um, apparently, she'd moved house, and she must have changed her number. And so I felt so concerned that this little family were no longer in church. And that night, um, the preacher um, said, encouraged us to write down the name of someone that we were believing to know Jesus or to come back to Jesus. And I wrote down Jeanette and we prayed. The very next day, can't make this up. I was working as a, in, in church part-time, and I was also working as physiotherapist on, on, my, on the Monday. And I had my bag over one shoulder, and I was working in the hospital. It was Steve needed the car, so I was getting the bus. I had coffee in one hand, my bag in the other. And I remember rushing, because I'm, I'm often a bit late. And, um, and I ran, and I got onto the bus just as it was about to pull off. And as it was, it was pulling off, and as I was going on, I fell onto this lady's lap. And I turned around and it was Jeanette. And she said, Rachel, where? I'm like, I've been in England. Where have you been? She said, oh, I, you know, a long story short. No, first of all, I didn't ask her that first. I said, I wrote your name down in church last night. We had no way of contacting you and we prayed. And here, I, and she was blown away. She said, I had problems with my marriage. I had to change my number and move. And I didn't feel that I could be welcome at your church. I felt like things were in a muddle. I needed to take time and just, she just didn't feel wor very worthy. And I invited her to come back to church. She came that weekend and her children, long story short, she did the discovery or the alpha course. Her husband, she's reconciled with her husband. They all get, I watched them get baptized as a family because God knew her name. And now, back to the story. This story is about a woman that wasn't even named. You know, back then, women were not really very important. And Jesus is on his way from Judea to Galilee. And mostly, you'd think he'd go right through Samaria. But Jews would go round to the east side to avoid going through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. There was a hundred years of, hundreds of years rather, of alienation because the Samaritans were like half-breeds. They were Jews that had intermarried with the Assyrians. And so the Jewish faith or religion was polluted by their heresy. So, so the Jews hated them for this. 
But Jesus crosses all these boundaries and he not only walks through Samaria, the Bible says he needed to go there and he stops and he's weary and he's at a well and he speaks to a woman. Now, there's an old rabbinical proverb which states, better the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Bible at that time, to be burned than to be read by a woman. That's how women were viewed at that point in history. Not only was this, this woman a Samaritan, a, a woman, but she was a Samaritan. The theology of the time was Samaritan women were in a constant, perpetual state of uncleanness to a Jew. So now you've got a Jewish rabbi, Jesus, who's, who's sat on a well talking to this outcast. It's the most unlikely story, but yet, he sees beyond, he sees her. And, and we can learn a lot from this story. So there are, there are 10 super quick points. I want you, if you're quickly taking notes that we can learn from Jesus, if you're speaking to someone on a one-on-one. -on -one. First of all, he intentionally takes time to engage in meaningful conversation. Secondly, he initiates a practical point of contact. Talks about water and wells. Find that point of contact. Thirdly, he places value by listening. That's it. Shall I get out of the way so you can take pictures? This is really good. Fourthly, he describes the gift of God and how good it is. Fifthly, he connects with her current beliefs and traditions. He meets her where she's at. Number six, he makes the conversation personal and prophetic. Number eight, he emphasizes heart relationship over religion. And number nine, he communicates the role of the Holy Spirit. And number 10, he reveals who he really is at the end of the conversation. She's like, yeah, we've been waiting for the Messiah. He says, I am he. She's profoundly impacted. The Bible says in verse 28, all at once the woman leaves her water jar, runs off to the village and tells everyone, come and see a man who's told me everything about me. Of course, the villagers knew who she was. I've never, everything I've done, he could be the one we're waiting for. Yeah. And hearing this, all the people come streaming out of the village to see Jesus. What a transformation. This woman actually becomes the first known evangelist in the New Testament. You think you haven't got what it takes? She had everything going against her, but yet she won a city for Jesus. So let's, how can we have those conversations in our workplaces, in our salons, in our supermarkets, in our schools, in those business lunches, in our homes? How can we, how can we do this? So are you ready to find out some ways that you and I can make a difference? There's four main points. If only they knew. If only they knew. Number one, ask for his heart for others. You can't read this story without seeing Jesus' heart for this woman. You know, if you love God, you'll automatically love people. Ask him to give you a heart. I remember singing this song, hearing it as a very young girl, an old song that says, give me a heart for others. A longing to bring souls to thee. Give me the privilege to tell them of your love on Calvary's tree into the highways and byways, it's old English language. 
I'll be what you want me to be. Just give me a heart for others that I might win them for thee. Starts with our heart. Jesus bypassed all the stuff, all the obstacles. He sees her soul. In fact, this is the longest recorded conversation Jesus has with anyone throughout the Gospel of John. He, he sees beyond what she can do for him, get drawing water to what he can do for her. John Maxwell says we need to first value someone before it gives us the credibility to speak to them about Jesus. He values her. He sees a woman that is longing to belong, crying for identity. Our world is crying out for identity more than ever right now. They're crying out gender identity, sexual identity, political identity, racial identity. We need to look past, look past all of the politics and the placards and see the person. Love covers all. In fact, love draws out the true person, the real person behind all of that. She starts to debate religion and, and whether they serve God on this mountain or in Jerusalem. And he says to her, he gets to the heart, if only she knew the Father's heart for her. Verse 21, he says, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father, neither on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He further shows his depth of love and intimacy. He has this intimate conversation about worship. Like women weren't even allowed in the inner court of the temple. They had to stay on the outside. He's talking to her about intimate relationship. And he, the, the scripture says, verse 23, the time is coming, indeed is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is actually looking for those. He's actively seeking for those who will worship him that way. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for intimate relationship. He's looking for you to draw closer to him. There's some people out there right now and you're looking at me. He's looking at you to have a closer walk. He sees beyond the externals. He sees you, young man there. He sees you. He's asking you to draw closer to himself. He loves you. His hand is on your life. You two on the end here, he sees you. He's drawing you closer to his heart. You were meant to be here today. You've had some questions. God is bringing some answers. And he's opening up some doors and solutions for you. He sees you. He sees beyond. In fact, in that moment when he's having that conversation, God is actively seeking worshipers. Jesus is speaking to her and the Holy Spirit is revealing himself to her. We need to remember that when we speak to people, we've got the backing of the Trinity. We've got the backing of the Father, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. And he uses this word to describe worship, the Greek word. We, he only uses it this time. And it's proskineuo, which means to lean forwards and to kiss. What a beautiful word to represent worship. The beauty of intimacy right there online now, in your living room, wherever you are watching this, Jesus is looking to you for that intimacy, that walk with God, the closeness. He's saying, I want to know you. 
in spirit and in truth. And His love reveals who we are. And so when you look at people, see them with His eyes. Number two, are you ready online, in the room? Make the conversational, personal, and prophetic. Jesus initiates the conversation. He talks about living water. He talks about this theological discussion. But the game changer is when he makes it personal. He makes it about her. Verse 16, he says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, but you have had five husbands. You aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. In our conversations with people, we need to look for those pivotal moments where we talk about what is important to them. We talk about their heart. You know, she's not only a Samaritan woman, But now we discover that she's been married five five times in a de facto relationship. And back then, she would just be seen, ostracized and seen as a social outcast. And she probably, some scholars say that she was likely to have been infertile, which is why she was married and discarded and married and discarded. It was a cause for divorce in those days. She would have felt used and rejected and unwanted and worthless and she chose that time to come to the well at the hottest time of the day to avoid the other women the villagers that would often come in the cool of the afternoon but God set up that divine appointment with her and Jesus who is the living well he sits on this well and engages with her in fact it's her personal story that connects her to Jesus rather than alienates him it's it's the turning point can I just pause for a moment Whatever your marital status, whatever has gone wrong or right, whatever disappointment, whatever rejection, Jesus still wants to have conversation with you. He still wants to draw you to his heart. Reminds me of a story of Alice. And she grew up in Vietnam and in a, in a country where women are, are not valued. She was in a lot of poverty and So she decided to move to Australia for a better life and she gets a job in a nail bar and she befriends a guy who says that he's gonna look out for her and and they move in together and they start this relationship and sadly he doesn't treat her very well. And a couple of years later she leaves him and she's feeling used, abused and lonely, works extra hours in the salon to make ends meet and this particular day I walk in to get my nails done. And I just connect with her. You know how some people you just feel a connection with? And so every time I went back, I would ask for Alice. And I would often go in to do my grocery shopping or, or, or to pop in and get something, even sometimes with the kids. And I'd pick her up something and even come past the nail bar and, 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 and wave at her. And if she was busy with a client, I would just leave a little gift for her. And each time I just felt like the heart of God for her and I would pray for her. I'd invite her to church, but she would say, oh, I'm too busy, I'm, I'm working, because she worked a lot. And this particular day, what the game changer was, is I'm talking to her one day, and I say, Alice, you know, it's, that doesn't sound like a very Vietnamese name. And she said, oh, my real name is Tui. The salon gave us these names so Westerners could understand and remember them better. 
And so there she is in a situation where she's away from family, she's been dejected, rejected, and no sense of identity. So I start calling her Tui. She starts to open up and tells me her story. It's what changed it when things went personal. And after that, she decided that she would come to church. And it was Easter weekend, 2015, and my parents were over visiting from England at the time. And I was busy on the platform and needing to do things in the service, so I got her to sit with mum and dad. She was clearly moved, wasn't she, in the service, clearly moved by the atmosphere, by the love of God, by the, the love of those around her. She put up her hand and made a decision. She'd only known Buddhist religion and strict Catholicism, and now she had a personal encounter where he came into her heart. She was in tears, and I remember when I went to see her, even through tears, they were joy. Her face had changed. In an instant, what could God do in an instant through the power of salvation in someone's life? My mum prayed with her. She kept coming to church. She would come at the 5 p.m. after she'd finished work on a Sunday night. And she, she started to change her value. And, she, and she, like, she recognized she was worth something. She takes English classes, which made it easier for us to understand. She gets a Bible. She's telling me what God is saying to her. She's growing in confidence. She meets an amazing young man called Jason. And they, they get married. And they... they a year later, they have a baby, and this is after we've moved back to England this last time, and she sends me a picture. Have we got the picture? There they are. There's Jason and Tui and little Elijah. What a good name, Elijah. Her life is transformed because God knew her, and he orchestrated that divine connection. How many Tuis are there in your world? Who are your Tuis? Who are the ones that you need to go deeper and have a more personal conversation? Number three, combine your story with his word. The woman left her water pot. She goes and tells, come and see a man who's told me. Like she didn't say, come and see the man who told me about everlasting life or the man who told me about theology and discussions of worship. No, she said, come and see a man who knew my story. She tells her story and the villagers come streaming out. Many of the Samaritan village, it says in verse 39, became believers in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. We started singing today, this is my testimony. You've got a testimony. You've got a story. John 4, 21, many more believed because of his own word, through Jesus' word. In fact, at the end of this whole story, in verse 42, it says, they, the Samaritan people said, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They recognize he was the savior of the world. Your story, your testimony is more powerful than you think. See, people can doubt your theology, but they cannot deny your story, your experience. We need to get good at sharing our story. I used to think I had not a very interesting story because I've grown up in church. And, and I love Chantelle's story, Pastor Chantelle, incredible background, but there's a lot of pain attached to that. But she continues to tell her story. You online, you've got a story to tell. And whether it's a big, dramatic story or whether it's just you're serving Jesus, that is powerful. Because when you combine your personal daily story 
and how Jesus has impacted your life with his word, it connects with people's hearts. The vulnerability of sharing your story, hearing them first, sharing your story. And I I, I didn't think I had the confidence to do this, but I, I wrote a devotional book that some of you will have read called Soul Time earlier in the year. And and that was a combination of personal story and God's word. And even though I felt, didn't feel confident with it, I bared my soul, being vulnerable in that. And through that book, it's actually brought so many people either back to Jesus or to know Jesus for the first time. There's two women that are in our church now because in the last two months, they've read this book and it's helped them to make a decision for Jesus to follow him. One of them was my hairdresser. And so God can use your story. He can use your story. Don't question it. You've got what it takes. Number four, the time is now. So first of all, a heart for others. Make it personal. Share your story. And number four, the time is now. On their return, the disciples are amazed that he's talking to a woman. Then they try and get Jesus to eat something because he's traveled all this way, remember? He hasn't even had a drink yet. And so Jesus answers in verse 34, John 4, to clarify, and Jesus is speaking a lesson to his disciples and to all of us. He's ready to hear what Jesus said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, to bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is yet four months away? Look, look. The people are coming. Now is harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for harvest. Jesus has an obvious passion for souls that's more important to him than food. Satisfies him even more than water. He encourages his disciples. When he sees the people streaming out of the city, he says to them, look and see. My dad, when he gets up with Pastor John on the groundbreaking night and he prays, before he prays, he says, look and see. Sometimes we can look, but we don't actually see what's happening in the spirit, that God is drawing people, young people, young adults, look beyond the external, look and see. There's an urgency in the air. The time is now. Our country needs Salvation needs a personal walk with God. Jesus is the answer to rejection. Jesus is the answer to pain, to identity, to doubt, to fear, the need to belong, the need for home. Our church is called Soul Church for a reason. The very core of our DNA, we're all about souls and people. Our role, whether we're new or whether we've been coming a long time, is to win souls. Do you love the Jesus' life wall, light bulb wall out there that people screw in every time they make a decision for Jesus? And I remember a couple of years ago, there was some African sisters. This sister had invited her sister who's visiting from Nigeria, who was diagnosed with the final stages of cancer, invited her to church. She responds in the service and raises her hand and makes a decision for Jesus. She then comes out with our team and screws her light bulb in. It's a moving moment. I remember it. Some of you will remember it. And there were tears, but her face was one of, even though there were tears, she had peace, peace in her heart. And she left and went back to Nigeria. And not long afterwards, she passed away. 
but her sister can now walk in, walk in, and she'd often say, I walk in and I see her light bulb up there. And I know that she's in heaven because I brought her to Jesus. She's not saying, if only she knew. There are people out there that we need to bring to Jesus. We literally will rescue them from a lost eternity. In John chapter 4, 36, Jesus said, everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life, you'll receive a reward. Both those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. I believe there's gonna be some celebrations. You've been praying and crying out to God for loved ones, for family members to know Jesus. You're gonna celebrate with great joy. I believe there's gonna be tears of joy. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing someone come to Jesus. Don't underestimate the part you play. One sows, another takes them on the next step. I remember my first experience of seeing people come to know Jesus for myself personally. When I was about 12 and we'd, we'd, they'd busloaded a whole load of um, students from all the schools around Norwich. I was in St. Andrew's Hall and there was a traveling group of, of gospel singers and we met in St. Andrew's Hall and they're busing in all the schools and it was St. Andrew's Hall was packed with kids. And at the end, there was an invitation to receive Jesus. And I remember standing with my friends who all put their hands up and then they all came forward to receive Jesus. And I remember at that moment, tears streaming down my face as I saw my friends respond to Jesus. <laughs> And in that moment, I remember it so clearly, Marty, the guy that was speaking, he said, there are some of you here that God is calling to stir up, to preach God's word and to speak to others and see your friends come to know Jesus. Who's gonna, and he used the scripture, here I am, send me. I remember putting my hand up. I said, God, for the rest of my life, I want to see people come to know you. And I remember going into my school and gathering them in a classroom at breaks. So I used to take them chocolate and we do stories about Jesus back in the days where we had flannel graphs. <laughs> and um, teachers would say, what are you doing with these kids? And, and in the previous service, Tony Joyce was in the service and she was one of my friends. And I later invited her to church and to youth camp actually. She became a Christian at youth camp and married Andy, her kids, Mikey Joyce is often up here singing. Her grandkids are now in church because she made a decision to follow Jesus. She said, as for me in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. The time is now. See, over the years, there are times when we get busy, aren't there? We get busy and we lose the passion. God reminded me again four years ago before we moved back here when I got busy with life again. And I was out for a walk around a park. I literally felt Jesus come alongside and remind me, flashback, remind me of that moment in St. Andrew's Hall. I'm giving you a heart for people again, Rach. I remember when I got back home, I knelt down in my living room. No one else was there at the time. 
I said, Jesus, I surrender my agenda. I surrender my, my job, my, the finance, my future, my family. We were sending a calling back to England. And God, I will say yes. Whatever it looks like, I will say yes. I wanna reach people for you. That doesn't take a platform. It can be this week with a person you've been praying for. Who can you invite to the wonder? Imagine if we all invited one person and looked after them, our church would double. Who is the person's name you can write down and pray over? What's that conversation that you could have? We literally will be emptying hell and filling up heaven. What really spoke to me was a quote from John Maxwell, and he has a goal each year to win, I think 50 to 100 people each year, like that's massive. And he says, I think the greatest gift I can give Jesus is people in heaven who will say, John, it's you who invited me here. The greatest gift we can give Jesus is Joseph, you invited me here. There's so many that have a heart for Jesus. There's so many that have a call of God. I can't see all your faces because of the lights. And it's stirring up the gift within. Jesus is saying to you, invite people to Him. And one day in heaven, He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. But someone will come up to you and they'll say, thank you. Thank you. Will you say yes right now? to going after the prodigals, going after the ones that used to serve Jesus but no longer do. In James 5, 19 in the message, it says, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them, get them back. You will have rescued precious, precious lives. Who will say yes to going after them? Who will say yes to extending the invitation? Who will say yes to making time for these personal conversations? Who will say yes to sharing their story? Can we all stand together? Who will say yes to speaking the name of Jesus over every heart and every life? To speak the name of Jesus over depression, over addiction, to shout Jesus from the mountain, to shout Jesus in the streets, to shout Jesus over our families. Who's ready? In fact, what I wanna do, I want as many of you as possible that are gonna say yes to that. I want you to come out of your seat and come to the front. Quickly run out from your seat. And this is a needs focused moment. This is a dedication, a commissioning, saying yes to the call, yes to the heart of God. Come on, there's room for you at the back as well. If your heart has been stirred and you want to share your faith, you want to have that conversation. You've got the name of a loved one in your heart. You've got the name of a family member. There's someone that you once know that's walked away from God. Come on, come right to the front. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, or come out to the aisles at the side. Stir your heart up afresh to say yes, as I did as a young girl. And I said, Jesus, I want you to mark me. I wanna see the urgency. I wanna see beyond the person. I wanna see with your eyes of love. Tom, there's an evangelistic heart on you. And you're gonna be a catalyst for more young adults to reach their world and to bring salvation, to bring hope. And they will come.
church, the young adult community will grow because people are getting saved and coming to know Jesus. In your schools, have that further conversation. Come on, let's sing this song. Speak the name of Jesus. I want you to speak it over people in your mind, in your heart. And those of you that are not space, speak it right now in your seat. And let's sing this together. Let's speak His name over every life. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. This is a commissioning moment. Can you raise both hands? Say, here I am, send me. Help me to have those conversations. Jesus, speak through me. Holy Spirit, help me. Now I want you to speak a person's name. Give it to God right now. A person that you're believing that you're gonna have a conversation with. Might be a son, a daughter. Might be a parent. Speak their name right now. Jesus already knows them. God, we give each one of these names to you. And I thank you, Lord. They're known. They're already known. They're already close to your heart. I pray, God, that we would be the vehicle. We would be the mouthpiece to speak to them, to draw them to your very heart. Lord, that they won't only come to church, but they'll come to you, Jesus. And it will be fruit and life that will remain in Jesus' name. I believe Chris and Dory, God's brought you to Norwich for such a time as this. And it's more than a change of life, but it's a significant purpose. And soul winning is part of that. You're anointed for it. Continue to stir up that gift that it was within. And my friend Susie here, you're fairly new to church. I think it's Susie. Susan, let's tap her on the shoulder, share. I think that, is that your name? God has anointed you as an evangelist. He's anointed you to speak out. And it's confirmation again this morning at this stage in your life, there is more people He's gonna bring across your path to speak God's Word into their lives. Don't hold back, be confident. His Word is in your heart, it's in your mouth. He's backing you in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. We're gonna have to close. I just wanna know if there is anybody that in a room of this size, there'll be some that haven't yet said yes to Jesus. There'll be some Tuis or Jeanettes. There'll be some men that have come in on your own or with a family member. There'll be some young people, some older people. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you've never yet prayed this prayer, a significant prayer that says, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I wanna know meaning and purpose. And I wanna know hope beyond the grave, eternal life. See, you can only know true hope when you know the one who is the giver of hope and the giver of life. We can't find something that will satisfy the longing and thirsting of our soul like Jesus talked about. Even human love won't quench it. Society's goal for materialism or legacy won't quench it. Only Jesus can quench that longing of your soul. He sees you, He knows your name. Right now from the front to the back, I wanna include as many as possible in a prayer. And maybe you're gonna come to Jesus for the first time as a couple, as a young person, or you're on your own and you think no one's seen me. You're right at the back, God's seen you online. You've heard this message and you're responding there. God is saying, I see you, I know you, I know your name, draw close to me. And could I get every head to be bowed and every eye closed to give privacy? And I wanna give you this invitation to say yes to Jesus, yes to eternal life. Yes, yes to walking with Him. And once you know Him yourself, you can then tell others. Literally the answer to this world 
If that's you, young person, older person, you know because your heart's beating a bit faster. Or maybe you've once served God and you've walked away, but now you're coming back into relationship with Him. And you know this is your time. After three, could you just put your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see from the front to the back? Shoot it up high enough. That's it. After three, one, two, three. Thank you over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Keep putting your hand up. God is seeing hearts and I'm seeing hands. Could you put your hand on your heart if you raised your, your hand or if you just wanna join in? Let's say this prayer together as a large church family. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for loving me. Right now I say yes to You. Yes to forgiveness. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to find purpose and meaning. With your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. And I will live with you in heaven forever. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We applaud those that have responded to Jesus. Heaven is clapping and rejoicing right now. And if you either raised your hand or you prayed that prayer and meant it, we would love to commemorate this moment by making sure you have a Bible. So as you leave, some of our team will be waving these. Just catch their eye and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, can I have one? And it's a beautifully illustrated Bible. Even if you, only, if you already have one, it's the story that I talked about is in here today. And remind yourself of a moment where you said yes to Jesus. And maybe if you can give your details, I would love to call you in the week or my husband and, and, and encourage you and cheer you on in this life-changing journey. Thank you guys as you go back to your seats. Remember you're commissioned and you're enabled to do this, to be God's mouth and His hands and feet to our world. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.